Good morning, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic start to your day. Today, I wanted to talk to you about um, artificial intelligence or AI within context. Now, unfortunately, with any technically complicated subject, um, there starts to be sort of this um, smoothing, I think is a good word, of how it's sort of explained. Um, when it first comes out, you know, everybody gets into the nitty gritty, into the specifics, deep into the technicalities and sort of explains it. And as it starts to go to broader and broader audiences, the um, explanation gets a higher and higher level. So by the time it's out to mass market, um, to the you know greater community, um, there's a lot of fidelity, a lot of that signal is lost. So people get a misunderstanding of what this technology is capable of. We see this all the time with scientific research. It's extremely frustrating. When you read these scientific papers, they're great at taking these steps forward, um, it's very rare that you'll see this massive, massive breakthrough. They do happen, unfortunately, not as, as often as we want. Um, but it's really hard to make that into an interesting story and people jump to conclusions or they, they put a whole bunch of assumptions around it as opposed to just reading the science. And we've seen this in the technology field with AI. People expect Hollywood level AI when in the reality is very, very different. So I wanted to highlight a couple use cases, um, some good, some bad, um, uh, to put a little bit of context around it and as always we'll dive into the security and privacy aspects uh, because that's what the show is all about is sort of understanding technology um, through security and privacy lens so the example i wanted to call uh, to your attention was based on an article the new york times did um, over the weekend that highlighted a company called um, mitra i think that's how you pronounce it mitra they're a clothing um, store uh, or a clothing company and they are using ai based on um, demand based on a number of factors within their business to produce potential designs for um, clothing, so prints for t-shirts. And then another one, um, uh, AI will, another model will look and see if those designs are too similar um, or just enough dissimilarities between existing products that they sell. And it turns out one of their top selling products has actually been generated this way through these algorithms. So I thought that was really, really cool. And the article goes on to um, cite some other examples of um, machine learning of, of AI techniques used um, within the fashion industry. And one of the most prominent and sort of the central thesis of this article was around the role of a buyer. So a buyer um, within a clothing company, within a fashion uh, sort of industry will um, predict demand. They will um, think, you know, what's hot, what's not, um, and try to um, sell or buy um, those particular items depending on where they are in the chain. So you think, um, you know, the buyer for um, Saks or for Nordstrom, they're going to say, you know, what's really in um, this year? Uh, popped collars, right? Popped collars are in, so we're going to we're going to order these two shirts because we think that's going to be the new hot item. I know I have zero fashion sense. I just figured the goofiest thing I could could come up with. Um, but what these uh, these companies, and in this example, New York Times cites uh, this company called Stitch Fix. What they're using is modeling in order to predict demand, and I think that's a fantastic use case of these kinds of technologies of AI techniques because it's one where you can see um, significant um, wins. It's not um, 
it's not pushing it too far. This is sort of right in the wheelhouse of where um, these techniques are extremely useful because there's a ton of data about what people have bought, where they've bought it, um, what uh, the volumes were as far as, you know, blue shirts versus green shirts, um, long shirts versus shorter shirts. Like there's a ton of volume uh, data here where the um, system can use um, because it's properly classified to build out demand appropriately. And then what these companies have done is the buyer now has this data to evaluate and make a call based on their reading of the data, based on their understanding of some factors that are really difficult to put into these models. And I think that's the key, it's this combo of human as well as algorithm. And I'm gonna give you a negative example now. Um, we all know, because um, I've talked about it a bunch here, we've seen it um, time and time again on uh, online and in the media, Facebook is having a significant trouble spotting fake news, um, helping identify political ads and their sources. And so they've promised to beef up their staff, but that takes time to train people, to pay people, to find them, all that kind of thing. So in the meantime, they're applying algorithms. And uh, these algorithms are based on some machine learning techniques, and they're not doing great. Um, there were examples cited uh, over, uh, especially leading up to the 4th of July, where Walmart had a sale on Bush's Beans, um, very popular baked beans brand in the US, and that got flagged because they thought it was talking about former political candidate Hillary uh, Clinton and, um, uh, sorry, not Hillary Clinton, but the Bush family, right? So um, the, the political family, former presidents. Um, and so they flagged that as, as political content. Um, another example um, was uh, somebody had actually um, been pushing status updates that were the direct um, transcription of the Declaration of Independence. So in honor of the fourth, they were actually pushing out a copy of the declaration and that got flagged as political content. Well, yeah, it's political content, but it's also a historical document. Any human would have seen that and just gone, nope, no, it's fine, don't worry about it. But the algorithm flagged it because it was basically dumb. Even though we are using highly advanced intelligent techniques, um, there's still a lot to be said. So it's just, that's a bad example, just letting the algorithm try to catch stuff on its own. The fashion algorithms of you know using uh, the algorithm to sort through the data and then have a human do the final pass, that's where we see a ton of success and that translates directly into the security world. We're seeing more and more that teams are applying machine learning and other um, AI techniques to the volume of security data that's there, um, but you can't just rely on that. You need to actually have an analyst go over those results as well. So the idea would be get the computer and the AI algorithm to do uh, a lot of the sorting, a lot of the heavy lifting, and let the human do the final pass to pro uh, provide and apply their judgment on that massage and triaged data. And that sort of one-two punch is really where um, AI thrives. We are not yet at the point where you can have AIs doing their own thing on their own with consistent results. And when we do, as we saw um, last week from my CDC column on Google Duplex, it's extremely narrow and very, very focused. So Google Duplex can have a audio conversation uh, to book a restaurant, to ask about holiday hours, or to book a, a hair appointment. That's it, it's not a generic solution. And I think that gives you a little more context around where we're at with AI. We're seeing some extremely exciting stuff, but we're not at the point where the Terminator's gonna come back from the future um, to off John Connor and his mother, right? They're not independent acting yet. We have a long, long way to go in a number of research fields before we get there. But where we are seeing these um, techniques successfully applied, like with Stitch Fix as an example, that's a huge boost. That's a competitive edge for them, and that's a really good uh, application of that. Another interesting one, um, I saw a talk years ago from Professor Eberhardt, who was spearheaded um, a technique called particle swarm optimization, 
under the AI umbrella. Um, he had a, a client who was talking about FedEx and they were organizing how to load planes. That was a great problem for the computer because it came up with solutions that the humans had never thought about because it was a constrained space. There's a plane parked, it has a certain number of capacity, there's a bunch of packages in the warehouse and there's X number of forklifts um, that can move packages back and forth, figure out the best routing, timing, all that kind of stuff. Great problem for AI. Human just looks at it, runs it through a, sort of a, a sniff test and, and off you go. Um, so we're not at the point where AIs are gonna take over. They're not replacing jobs at this point. Right now, AI is an augmentation technology. I think that's a wonderful place for it to be. We can see some significant advantages. We have a lot of runway. Um, when it comes to solving those kind of problems. So that's the topic for today. Uh, what do you think? How are you experimenting with uh, machine learning with other branches of AI? Hit me up online at MarkNCA in the comments down below or by email as always at me at MarkN.ca. Hope you're set up for a fantastic day. Look forward to talking to you online and we'll see you on the show tomorrow.